damn it, Miyazaki. Just when I thought I was out, you pull me right back in. Porco Rosso is a radical movie. I would like to say at the top of this half hour, I am sorry, Grave of the Fireflies. You are still a masterful piece of art. But Porco Rosso was so much better than I remembered it being that after I finished watching it in Japanese, I watched it again in English, and then I listened to the soundtrack and the image album. <laughs> and I still want to watch more. Porco Rosso has joined Kiki's Delivery Service and a movie we have yet to get to at the top of my list as one of the top three Studio Ghibli movies subjectively. Just ones I enjoy watching. It's, it's just, I'm sorry, Grave of the Fireflies. Sometimes it's just nice to enjoy a movie. <laughs> I enjoy you as a work of art, but goddamn, you make me feel like shit. I'm breaking up with you. And to that one specific friend who said it was his favorite animated movie of all time, I'm sorry. You probably just ain't seen Porco Rosso yet. It is just so clearly a love letter to everything that Hayao Miyazaki enjoys. It, there's so much heart to it. Every character has their own genre of movie they're living in, and they're all good. It, uh, I, I honestly don't know where to start. There are so many things to like about this movie, and I cannot believe that the last time I watched it three years ago, the only thing I stored in my mind was, haha, funny pig fly airplane. So many people, myself included, have just been sleeping on this absolute banger of a movie. <laughs> Those beautiful dogfights from Nausicaa that I was talking about and hyping up so much, nothing compared to the ones in this movie. The amount of technical finesse that goes into animating how the planes move and what each one is capable of, and like how each plane's design plays into what it does, and they're all real planes, so or at least based on real planes, so everything has this level of realism to it, but also one of them is being flown by a pig man. This attention of detail can only come from somebody that is truly passionate about the subject matter, and my god, Hayao Miyazaki, every single one of his movies so far has had great scenes in the sky. He is very passionate about the sky. When he was a boy, his father was the director of Miyazaki Airplane, which manufactured rudders for fighter planes during World War II. In fact, the entire studio's name came from an Italian World War II aircraft, the Caproni CA-309, which has the nickname Ghibli, which came from the Libyan Arabic word for a hot desert wind blowing in from the south. The idea of the name being that Studio Ghibli would blow a new wind through the anime industry, something I think they've definitely achieved. So for all of those reasons, uh, that's why I've been pronouncing it Ghibli. I know a lot of people don't pronounce it Ghibli, and I think the usual way they pronounce it in Japan is also Ghibli, but Miyazaki himself pronounces it Ghibli. And also, he said that it doesn't matter because he picked the name just based off of an aircraft, so I don't, I don't care anymore. It's not an argument I'm going to have. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe I would have given a shit in, like, middle school. It, it's fine. Just call it what you want. I figured this would be a good episode to have that conversation in, even though there's an episode later that uh, would be much better, and I'll call back to this then. Uh, just because there is actually a Ghibli motor in this movie. Uh, Porco Rosso, when he has to soup up his plane at one point, uses that. So, pretty neat, right? It says Ghibli on it. A lot of people probably thought, yeah, that's just, uh, that's just the studio name instead of a logo for whatever thing they're using the model of. But no. Well, a little piece of history hidden away in this uh, movie about a pig. Now let's talk about that pig and several other characters, but I want to start with the pig. 
he has three names in the movie. Porco Rosso, which is Italian for red pig or red pork, which is fitting because he flies a crimson red airplane. Uh, Marco Paget, which was his name before he turned into a pig, which I have some interesting information on, but uh, in the movie they don't really tell you how he turned into a pig or why, other than the fact that it's a curse and at a couple of points he isn't a pig, but we're not sure if that's real or if it was a mirage, so I don't count that as a spoiler. Also, uh, in the dub, they changed his last name to Rossellini, so it was Marco Rossellini. So, I don't, I don't really understand that choice. But it happened. He's a bounty hunter, and he's an ace pilot, and he used to serve in the Italian military. But, uh, as, as, <laughs> uh, as he said, uh, I'd rather be a pig than a fascist, so he, he deserted. <laughs> Uh, great quote, by the way. He's full of one-liners. Everything the man says is quotable, uh, aside from the sexism, that is, but we'll, we'll get into that. And he is just a hero for hire with a heart of gold that he does not see himself because he thinks he's just in it for the money. He has lost all faith in himself, and this is kind of a redemption arc from his story. Uh, it, it's very good. I, I enjoy watching him grow emotionally and forgive himself for past mistakes that I'm not going to spoil. His backstory did make me uh, tear up a, a good deal, and maybe one or two of those tears went down. I, I cried both times I watched this today, uh, when he tells the story of a very important dogfight he was in during the war. He was telling that story to one of the best characters in this movie, Theo Piccolo, who is right up there with Nausicaa and Ursula in terms of strong Ghibli women. She is an incredibly gifted engineer, even though she's very young. She is strong-willed. She's perfect in every way. Everything she says is great. She doesn't take shit from literally anyone. When Porco first meets her and she's like, I'm going to be the one that's doing your plane, uh, he, he's, <laughs> this is when the sexism kicks in. It kind of just came out of nowhere. He's like, a woman designing a plane? No thanks. But Mr. Piccolo, uh, Theo's grandfather, that's why they share a last name. Uh, the entire Piccolo family is all women because all the men had to go find different work during the war. So the entire thing is being done by women. And he, he gets his shit checked several times with how capable all of these women are. Theo just gets a huge spotlight. She sort of cons her way into coming with him as an accessory, saying that she has to be the hostage for the Italian government to believe that the family didn't help him willingly. So she comes with him and saves his life several times, and she is a huge part of the climax, and every character loves her, especially a character named Donald Curtis, who we'll get to. He's the main antagonist, uh, but he's still a good character. And Theo is living in this coming-of-age story type movie, and everything she does is great. The other main woman in this movie is Madame Gina. She's a longtime friend of Porco back when he was Marco, before he got turned into a pig. Before we get too far into talking about specifically her, though, the Blu-ray copy that I have actually came with a little booklet about why did Porco turn into a pig, and it's just a small couple of paragraphs from the producer for a lot of Studio Ghibli movies. He's in charge of a big run we're on the second movie of right now, and one of the founders of Studio Ghibli, Toshio Suzuki. And Gina's kind of relevant to this, so I just thought it would be fun to read this little little page for you guys, since it's something that people who scream it won't have access to. So here goes. The title is Why Did Porco Turn Into a Pig? Question mark. 
Hayao Miyazaki likes to ride on the local trains. When people around him become concerned because he is a well-known person, he answers them this way. If I scowl at people, no one comes near me. In actuality, things are different. Other passengers are kind enough to pretend not to pay him any attention. That's something to be grateful about, but he himself doesn't see it that way. Once, he and I boarded a train together. One of the passengers came up to ask for his autograph. When I refused him gently in a soft voice, he was nice enough to give up. After we had gotten off the train and were approaching our destination, Mia-san began to fume. It's because you were there that I was found out. At those times, I take the tactic of paying him no attention and ignore Mia-san. This episode isn't just a laughing matter. I believe it shows an aspect of the true nature of Hayao Miyazaki. I was taken aback when he began to draw the storyboards for Porco Rosso, which, sidebar, was also based on a manga that he did in watercolor, so if you want more Porco Rosso content, uh, look for that. In one scene, the main character, whose face is that of a pig, walks casually down the street, but no one shows surprise. Of course, he is the only one with a pig face. I was asked my impression, and I exclaimed, Why did Porco turn himself into a pig? That question is nonsense, said Miyazaki. <laughs> he went on to say that the reason Japanese movies were so uninspired is because they go on and on with tedious explanations about cause and effect. But, in response to my request, Miyasan did add a scene with Gina. Now you can understand why, can't you? He said. When he is making a film, Miyasan isn't the one who sees the whole picture from a bird's eye view. Or rather, he thinks he shouldn't see things that way. That is why at times his words and deeds appear to be peculiar. For me, this episode made me feel that Hayao Miyazaki is truly a creator of his vision. March 2013, Studio Ghibli producer Toshio Suzuki. I thought that was just an interesting little read that gives some insight into what Miyazaki does and why he does it. I think it was relevant to bring up during Gina's character discussion because she is living in a love story. Her story is a tragic but hopeful one that revolves around love lost and unrequited. Even though she's surrounded by men, constantly falling in love, just smitten at first sight, she lives a lonely life, dreaming of days long gone. That yearning for days past is a huge motif in the soundtrack, another masterpiece by Joe Hisaishi. This is also up there with my favorites. Oh, there's so many good songs. Still, I'm not sure if there's any as good as The Legend. That's just it's such a good song for me. I don't know, it just hits all the right notes. But there are some dingers on this album. Some notable favorites of mine would be The Wind of Ages, When a Human Can Be a Human, Bygone Days, In Search of the Distant Era, Lost Spirit, and Porco y Bella, which is the ending song. Just, oh, gets you in the feels. I recorded a video of my cat eating some of her wheatgrass, too. Uh, I believe it was In Search of the Distant Era, and it just makes it so emotional to watch her face plant into a tiny little pot of grass. I would also like to give a fat recommend to the Image album, like last time I talked about them. It's a thing in Ghibli movies where they release an album with songs that are made to give you an idea of a place, a person, or an event in the movie. And I think it really does great for this, especially considering how great all of the characters and the locations and the real-life history of it are planned out. Even less important characters still feel like they had a past before the movie and will have a future after. And since everything is so well fleshed out, the Image album captures all that perfectly. Before I move on to Curtis, I do also want to say that Gina's story is one that I could see most likely being the plot of the planned sequel. Right now it doesn't seem like it's in action, but Miyazaki has stated he wants to release a sequel to this movie, which is something I don't think he's ever done before. But I would still really love to see it. 
The last big character to talk about is Donald Curtis. He is an American that is hired by all of the pirates and gang members that Porco has been shooting down for his bounty hunting missions. The movie actually starts with a rescue mission where a group of seaplane pirates was capturing a bunch of little girls for ransom. Porco blew up their plane and set them into the water, but then decided, yeah, you, I'll, I'll take the little girls and the majority of the loot, but uh, you, you can have some of it just so you can fix your plane and we can do this again, <laughs> essentially. He, he's just toying with them because he knows how much better he is, and if he lets them go back up, he'll be still in work when they try to rob again. Kind of like a fireman starting fires or Batman putting people in Arkham where he knows they're going to break out. Just ensuring you still have a job tomorrow. Some of the pirates, however, don't see this as generous and instead get sick of being toyed with. And they band all of the pirate groups together and then they hire an American racer pilot to outgun Porco. Curtis is a very arrogant man. He wrote a screenplay, uh, he intends to become president because he thinks if he's a Hollywood star he could become a president in America. I don't think that would ever happen, we'd never elect two different uh, actors and let them have control of the country. That seems like stupid fantasy bullshit from Miyazaki, but I mean, you gotta have some fiction. He's also a little bit of a hopeless romantic, falling in love with every beautiful woman he sees and getting turned down by all of them because Every pretty woman in this movie has something for Porco because he is just um, a man's man. And aside from the sexism, that is easily cured because uh, he, he's, a, he's a man's man and real men don't disrespect women. Porco is just the full package. So even though Donald, the wannabe actor president, uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's like he predicted it. It's like Miyazaki can see the future and he's just, he's just toying with our emotions, telling us things before they happen. Uh, even though Donald and the pirates do some pretty heinous crimes, like, uh, I, I don't know, holding children for ransom and trying to shoot down Porco, they're, they all got hearts of gold in the end. Everybody makes mistakes, and they're, in the end, they're, they're all about honor and having a good time. The goofy energy reminds me of that time Disney posted a thing from Jake and the Neverland Pirates that said, uh, remember, a good pirate would never take anything that doesn't belong to them. I don't know why pirates turned from the reality of rape, pillage, and murder into being portrayed like like superheroes almost in the same way that, I guess, cowboys were portrayed in westerns for such a long time, just as completely destroy the myth of what actually happened and, and build up this, this image in its place. But I'm all for it because pirates got a bang in style. I love seeing their wacky sea-based antics or their wacky air-based antics if you're in a Ghibli movie. It's just a good time. Pirates are fun. Yarhar fiddle dee am I right, fellas? I honestly think pirate shanties might be the only thing that unites men faster than just making random monkey noises and having everybody join in. <laughs> if you're ever hanging out with a group of guys, ladies, you can, you can do this. If you are ever in a group with a bunch of guys, just start making the, just the best chimp noise you can you can do like just do your best monkey impression i guarantee you if you're hanging out with cool people they'll join in same goes for pirate shanties we like being loud and being loud while also in sync with other people making obnoxious meaningless to us noises like uh, a good a good gibbon yell or uh songs about working ships and rolling seas even though we've never been anywhere other than like a lake maybe it, it, there's something primal about it
just like how I think there's something primal with every single human being that watches a Ghibli movie where they want to dive right into those beautiful, beautiful clouds. That little pamphlet actually has another entry that was written by Miyazaki himself, and it ends with something about the clouds, so I think that's a good time to read that one out for you guys. Director's Statement Resurrecting the Spirit of Early Cartoon Movies Porco Rosso is designed to be a work that businessmen exhausted from international flights can enjoy even if their minds have been dulled from lack of oxygen. It must also be a work that boys and girls, as well as aunties, can enjoy. But we must never forget that first of all, it is a cartoon movie for tired middle-aged men whose brain cells have turned to tofu. Porco Rosso is fun and upbeat, but not an over-the-top party. It is dynamic, but not destructive. It abounds with love, but needs no lust. The story is filled with freedom and pride, is simple and stripped of artifice, and the motivations of its characters are depicted with the utmost clarity. In the film we will make, the male characters are always upbeat and lively, the women are always charming, and everyone enjoys life. The world they inhabit is always cheery and beautiful. The next heading is, when depicting characters, remember we are only showing the tip of the iceberg. All the main characters, including Porco, Theo, Donald Curtis, Piccolo, the Hotel Madam, the members of the Mama Ayuda gang, which is the main group of piracy stops in the beginning, and the various other air pirates, must have a seasoned realism about them. They engage in foolish antics because they must also endure hardships, and the simple-mindedness they exhibit is a result of their lifestyles. We must treat each character respectfully. We must love their foolishness. Depicting any crowds or groups of people in a shoddy way is absolutely forbidden. One common mistake, the belief that to draw a cartoon is to draw someone sillier than oneself, must be avoided at all costs. Otherwise, we won't be able to attract the oxygen-deprived middle-aged men we are targeting. Before I get to the next heading, I'd like to say I think that is something they did perfectly. Like I said, all of these characters are amazingly well-written, and I definitely don't think this movie was targeted primarily towards kids. A lot of the movies that Ghibli makes aren't. Next section is, rather than details, go for dynamism, with numerous drawings. Rather than increase the number of lines used to depict the ocean, the breaking waves, the flying boats, and the characters in detail, depict all these things with movement. Forms should be simplified, and the drawings should be done easily, with the effort saved applied instead to creating movement. Let's discover the pleasure of movement, and of being upbeat. Next is, on coloring. Coloring should be vivid and elegant, not garish. We should aim for an upbeat and busy look, making sure to achieve a proper balance so that the result is not visually exhausting. And after that, the final section, on artwork. A town that people would like to visit. A sky through which people would like to fly. A secret hideaway we ourselves would want. And a worry-free, stirring, uplifting world. Once upon a time, Earth was a beautiful place. Let us make a film like this. April 18th, 1991, Hayao Miyazaki. I believe every single one of those stated goals was achieved in this movie. I think when somebody is passionate about something, it really does just show. Whether you're talking to friends about something that they just got into, like a new comic or a movie, or you're watching strangers on the internet rant about shit they're passionate about, whether that's a new TV show or a video game, or this one channel I recently found, where it's just a guy talking about obscure, unique cell phone models that don't exist anymore because all smartphones look the same. I think this movie is a masterclass in making people passionate about what you're passionate about. I write in my free time, not nearly enough, but when I finally do finish that novel I've been working on for a year and a half now, I hope people can tell that I have as much passion for that story as Miyazaki does for every single one of his projects. I hope any of my characters come across even half as well written as anything in this movie. 
moving forward with that story, I think this is going to be a huge point of inspiration I return to again and again. I promise, if you've been avoiding this movie because it looks like funny kid movie pig in airplane haha, it has more subtlety and nuance and love put into it than most other movies I've seen. Highly recommend it. Next episode is going to be about another Studio Ghibli movie I've never seen before. It's called Ocean Waves, and it's by neither of the two directors we've already seen stuff from. Thank you for listening. I'll see you then. And remember, it's better to be a pig than a fascist.